0: Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero here, and you're listening to my Tour Coach Podcast. Tour Coach Podcasts come from my stories, the interviews, my roundtable discussions, the day-to-day interaction with the people that I teach in my journey in the game of golf, whether it's tour players that I teach or tour players that have fired me, or heck, it's other teachers that I think the world of and respect, or it's mental coaches, performance coaches, or hey, maybe it's just people that have made an indelible mark on my teaching. Whatever it is, I hope this helps you learn more about the playing, the teaching, or enjoying the great game of golf. I sure as heck have fun doing this. I hope you all enjoy listening to it. We've got great sponsors. We've always got great guests. And one thing that we for sure do here on the Tour Coach is we keep it real. None of this is scripted. This is just authentic. This is the discussions and the day-to-day interactions that we have as the dew sweepers and teaching and trying to help all of you play better golf. And look, if you enjoy our instruction and you're somebody wanting to get better, why don't you come see us and get help for your game? with our world-famous retreats, which are going to be at Old Palm Golf Club in Palm Beach Gardens with my good friends Mark Hackett, Dan Terleski, Colby Tudyegg, Dr. Greg Carton, and and a host of many, many more. Or you can come see me at uh, my studio in Mobile, Alabama, or at the Preserve Golf Club. And remember, everything you need to play better golf is always going to be available for you at dosweetpressgolf.com. You can find out where I am and how to be on a podcast if you go there. Enjoy this edition of The Tour Coach.
1: I would much prefer to be recording this, having a beer with this guy, but with all the crazy travel stuff, it's impossible. We will have a beer soon, though. I know that. But uh, talking to one of my guys, somebody I'm super crazy proud of, tell people all the time, I've got some of the best young people coming up. He is at the top of the list. Ben Carr, Georgia Southern standout finalist at the US Amateur this past year. One of the top college players in the country from Georgia Southern and Columbus, Georgia. Ben Going on, buddy. I know you're headed home for the break. Gotta feel good. Yeah, for sure, Tony. Excited to do this podcast with you. Uh thanks for having me on. Yeah, I well, I know you've done about eight million two hundred and forty two of these things since the USA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I guess that I guess that we changed changed things for you a little bit. Somebody was asking me the other day about it and I said, you know, last year, I mean You've been, to me, you've been one of the top college players for a while, like, had a a great professional prospect. Like, obviously the U.S. Amateur changed, I think more than anything to me, it just changed the public's awareness of your commitment to being a great player and how good a player you were. I don't know that it changed anything about one thing that's been cool as somebody that works with you and hangs out with you is it hasn't changed you and how you approach things or how you look at things at all. Yeah, definitely not. That was definitely a crazy week. And like you said, I had a lot more eyeballs on me
2: than I have ever had in my life. So, I mean, it was just a really cool experience. And I learned a lot from that week. But, yeah, like you said, I mean, afterwards was a little crazy. Kind of got home and was just getting a lot of attention. And, you know, I feel like I handled it the right way. I mean, I
1: don't know.
2: I don't don't think it changed me at all. And, um, I mean, It's just a really cool week that, I mean, just happened to play well, and I've always felt like I was capable of it, so it was
1: was cool to see it kind of pay off there. You know, I look at the last year not just as the U.S. Amateur, but you've had lots of, you know, you've had changes. You've had a lot of exposure last year. I think Haskins watch list, not this fall, the fall before, people started realizing, you know, know, how good a player you are. And, And also, the cool thing to me about the U.S. Amateur was, I've always known you. I mean, I bet you when you were way younger. I've always known you're yeah. a great player. But people got to see what a good guy you are and what a good person you are, which I think was actually the real benefit of all the exposure because I think, you know, there, there's been ups and downs and obviously lots of great ups. But take me through the last year. Take me through the ups and downs and, like, the things you've learned and the things you figured out about yourself and the things you figured out about your game and going forward.
2: Yeah, for sure. So last fall had a really solid four tournaments and was able to make that Haskins watch list. And I I felt like once that kind of happened, I felt like this extra expectation or pressure for the spring. And for some reason, I mean, I think a lot of people fall into the trap of feeling like they need to change something uh, just to get to that next step when they might already kind of be at that next step and I kind of fell into that trap, and it definitely cost me a lot in the spring, and I I didn't play well there for about two or three months, and me and you reconnected over the summer and kind of got back to uh, the fundamentals of what we've always worked on, and it just kind of simplified everything for me and allowed me to get on the golf course more and kind of relearn how to score and not care so much about the golf swing or just like mechanics and just got me out there playing more, competing more and uh, just kind of like funneled into the USM. I just was, I started to play a little better about a month before the USM and just kept Mm -hmm. kind of progressing and trending up until that week and I kind of got there and felt like the course really fit my eye and had a good feeling kind of the whole week. I mean, me and you were up there together. And uh, we kept talking about how good I was swinging it, how how much better the putter was starting to look every day. And uh, it just felt like that whole summer we built a lot of momentum and kind of just peaked at the right time. And, I mean, from the whole thing, I just learned that the game's only as hard as you make it. I mean, the more time you spend <laughs> on the range, searching searching and banging balls, like, the more time you spend off the course, like, it's just going to get harder. And I mean, it's, I think it's something that everybody struggles with. I mean, falling back into bad habits, whether it's uh, like your practice plan or whatever it might be, and it just kind of gets you a little off. And in this game, being a little off is a lot off. So I think just uh, just getting back to what makes you a good player uh, is, is what allows you to kind
1: of get back into good form. Well, I've probably, been, I've probably been harder on you on some things than I've been on any of the others guys i've been fortunate to coach i don't know whether that's good or bad for you sometimes but we've had you know we've had some we've had some tough conversations sometimes where i told you that i thought you know i I didn't want you going down the path of searching right and i think that's a great lesson for people because there's so many young people that listen you know players upcoming but like you know and and again i said like hey i don't think you need more information i don't think you need like you're a good player you're just Like, I could see from the outside that the external pressures and the, you know, like where you put more expectations on yourself, like, that that was more affecting you than like, crap we needed to do in your golf swing, you know? And like, that's a really hard lesson, like, for young people to learn. And when you're 50 and you're old and fat like me, I mean, you see it from the outside and you've been down the block. But like that's a really hard lesson to learn. But I think you're way better to learn that in college than you are when you get out and your your first or second year as a pro.
2: Yeah, I actually kind of I've been thinking about that a lot lately because it's like every time I think about turning pro, you could like sort of fall into the trap of like, where well, am I? Am I good enough to do that? And I mean, like you just said, like learning that lesson in college because everybody asks themselves at some point, are they good enough? And to have that happen in college and learn from a mistake you made, I think is going to, like you said, help you a lot in the pros. I mean, once you decide to turn pro, you know that you're good enough and you know that, I mean, you're going to go through bad stretches, but if you stay on your plan, you're going to come out on the right side of it. And yeah, I feel like I've definitely learned that lesson and that's behind me. And just kind of slowly progressing the rest of my golf career, I think it's kind of the right way to do the game, just getting a little better every day.
1: I think the one thing you've done a really nice job, like from the summer through the fall, it really staying just on a couple things that we've worked on, right? And uh, one cool things to me was, it actually was yesterday, like, you sent a couple videos and I was driving, I sent a text back and forth, and you pulled out a video I sent you like a year ago. you know (laughs) one I was impressed I was actually put that video together a year ago but two like that you kept that stuff and 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 you do that from time to time you'll bring up a video of when we were doing something you know and it's all kind of hitting on the same things like they're just different ways of doing it but I thought that was really cool to me that you like went back to that and you know you do a really nice job of keeping videos and things on your phone and, and like of things when they worked and you knew that you did well. I think that's a. Re- I thought that was pretty cool yesterday.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's something that's important for everybody is having having a bunch of swings or just notes on their phone from when they're playing well. I think. I mean, me me included. I think everybody's pretty quick to take a bunch of videos when they're hitting it bad and break it down. But I don't think. It's people do a good enough job of like writing down their good fields when they're playing really well or, or taking videos with a good swings and having those to draw back on. I mean, like you said, the video I sent you yesterday, for anybody listening, it was I wasn't playing well and me and Tony were just starting to get back together and he just broke down that current swing I sent him of when I wasn't playing well and compared it to an old swing. And I think that's important just to have have those things to fall back on and have those fields that you know we're working and we just kind of compared the two and it's it's stuff that we're always working on so it's it's nice to be able to go back to kind of the basics of what we're trying to do and just go from there
1: well you know one thing we we've done well this year is we've stayed consistent and you've done a good job of working for us to get together even when you're hitting good and i think that one thing that like every college player gets into this i got I got a guy at Alabama that does this now, but like when you're hitting it good, there's that tendency, Oh, I'm fine. I don't, yeah. I don't need to make the effort. Like we don't need to work. I'm doing good. But like, there's a lot to be said for continuing to work and staying on your plan, even when things are going good, because it keeps pushing you forward. And also like, I think some of the best times we've worked is when you're striping it because like for me, I get lots of video or we get swing catalyst stuff or whatever it is like, Film of you when you're good, so we can go back to it when it gets off. You know, I think that, that that's an important lesson. You know,
2: yeah, like that's a because from the USM, you, you took uh, two videos from like the broadcast, and yeah. like it's it's just nice to have stuff like that. Just, I mean, because you know you you know you're swinging it well. Then you can go check your setup. I mean, just the simple things, like because I mean, we talk about a lot that. Like just check your setup because that might be the root of the problem. And just having having those two videos in the broadcast of where my setup was really good just to get me in. I mean, it just it just sets you up to make a good golf swing. And just having that kind of stuff
1: to use
2: uh, at your expense is that's just money. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there definitely it, there's a lot to be said about uh, going back and uh, rehashing like good good deals and good swings.
1: You know, and I want to go back to the Western Amps. So so you played good at the Southern. I went over to the Southern over there at Sea Island, watched you play, watched a couple guys play. You played really nice. I thought, like, that was a week where you hit really good. You know, you finished top 10. But, like, I didn't feel like you got near as much out of that week for how good you played. Like, that, to me, like, 10th was kind of almost as bad as you could have played that. And I don't mean that's bad. I'm just saying, like, you didn't get that much out of it. Would you agree with that?
2: Yeah, 100%. I mean, I remember playing the Southern down at Sea Island. I remember finishing up and, like, being so excited because I was not only excited about, like, a nice finish, but I was more excited that I I didn't even play that well to, to reach that nice finish, like you said. I mean, mm-hmm. you know you're playing good golf when you don't get much out of your round and you still shoot a good number, and I hadn't, I hadn't had that feeling in a while. And, uh, I mean... To play well that week while not doing everything right. I mean, it just gave me confidence moving forward. And uh, I think the next tournament after that was the USM qualifier, which I was able to like, get through. And then mm-hmm. got to go Western and played well the first two rounds and in, in the tough uh, wave. And then just didn't really have a great 36 hole day on that final day, but it didn't really kill my confidence because I knew I was I knew I was back in a good spot. Uh, mentally and physically and I mean I knew if I was able to get through the stroke play portion of the USAM I'd really like my chances in the match play format so just just getting that confidence back over the summer I think was so important for uh, the rest of this year
1: I'm going to talk golf swing a little bit with you for, for golf swing people out there the one thing we've always done is so people that watch have a little bit you have a strong grip you have a club face a little shut. And if, you know, as I go back, like the other night I was around the house and I was going through old videos and, you know, you and I both know that when, it, you know, it can get a little twisted too much under and then too much shut. Right. And that's when it's not good. But like one thing that I've always liked about working with you, but like you know who you are as a golfer and you've avoided for the most part, every now and then you'll be like, you know, oh, I'm sure you're like, oh, maybe I should try to have it not quite as shut. But you know who you are as a golfer. You understand that your club face is, is a little closed. But you've done a nice job building a golf swing around and understanding that you can be an elite player doing that and resisted the urge to do what, like, lots of people would do, which is try to change something like that.
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, especially after the USAM, I've, I've ever seen a lot of stuff, like this kid grips it like he's gripping a motorcycle, It's like stuff like that. And it's so, it would be so easy to, I swear, I've heard like three different people say that online. (laughs) It's like, no, but I think it's easy to like hear like outside influences and want to change because of what people are saying. But I mean, at the same time, like that's what's got you to where you are. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. And that's why you don't want to change is because, I mean, you've already proven to yourself that that your unique way of doing things can be successful. So, I mean, I mean, just look back at results. I mean, that should give anyone confidence that is, is having doubts about their game or, or their grip or whatever it might be. It's funky, but it's unique to you. I mean, there's a reason you're doing what you're doing. So just trust that you can make it work. And I think that's what we do really well is uh, just sticking to what got got us here.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, I think one thing you know this, I always, you know, I ask for opinions about your stuff, right? Like I'll, I'll pick other top teacher brains and show a video and say like, Hey, you know, cause I think that the, you know, I think for me as a coach, the more information I can obtain to help me guide you. And then I kind of am in charge of what you hear. You know what I mean? Like I don't tell you every opinion, but you know, if it's valuable, like I, heck, I went into Vegas a month, a couple months ago and I showed Butch one of your videos. And, and I, I mean, I thought the idea that he had it's, was great, and we've done some nice stuff with that. But like, I think it's important to get, you know, to surround you with as many people as we can to help you get your goals. And so obviously, I, I, I'll I ask opinion. And then, but, and we took that step, I told you that I thought the next biggest thing that you needed to get better at for the next part of your journey was to get better physically. And we did that, what, a month ago we went down to South Florida, Old Palm hung out down there, did some nice work with Jackson, and then went in and saw Colby. And I think that's the next piece of your puzzle of surrounding you with what you need to get better at the next level so that you can do the things you're trying to do more consistently day in and day out.
2: Yeah, that was really cool working with Colby down there because, (laughs) I mean, myself and I'm sure a lot of other college players, juniors, amateurs, I mean, I didn't really understand, like, how directly – Correlated. I mean, being in the gym and playing good golf is, and to hear it from Colby Wayne. I mean, that guy's legit. Obviously, Tiger's trainer, DJ, KT, Keka. I mean, if all these guys trust trust him to get their body right, I mean, we should too. I mean, it was cool to just hear like what it takes in the gym for those guys on a daily basis to go play the golf they're capable of and I've already started to see some of those hours in the gym pay off. I mean, just having certain parts of my body a little more activated and loose out on the golf course, it just gives you a little that little bit of an edge that you need to perform well. So that was a really cool experience, and I'm glad we got to do that.
1: Talk about you playing coming up. You know, well, let's go back real quick. Let's talk U.S. amateur We didn't really talk about that. It was a great week talk about how you felt during the week. I I agree with you. I got there and saw Ridgewood. I mean, that golf course, man, they could have held the U.S. Open on that sucker that day. That golf course was hard, and it was pure. (laughs) Yeah, it was really
2: good. I mean, I remember kind of showing up, and I think I played my first practice round on Arcola, which is like the sister course for stroke play. I mean, and it was hard. So, I mean, you didn't really get to, I mean, you didn't really get to take a break either day in stroke play. I mean, both courses were really tough, especially Ridgewood. I remember hearing guys, guys that played in the U.S. Open that were also playing that day at Ridgewood saying that uh, Ridgewood was harder than uh, the Country Club. And
1: yeah. just to hear that
2: and, and know that you were able to go play well at Ridgewood and kind of keep the ball in play because that was something you had to do out there. I mean, you couldn't be playing from the rough or you just weren't going to score. And if you were to hit in the rough, I mean, you just had to get it back in play and keep yourself in the hole. And, uh, yeah, to get through stroke play, I think, was an accomplishment in itself on that golf course because that told you you're playing some really good golf. I mean, you definitely couldn't fake it at either of those two courses. And then, I mean, I've always felt like – I. I'm a great candidate for match play. I mean, I hit a good amount of fairways. I always seem to putt a little better in match play. So I, I had a lot of confidence. Yeah, I mean, I had a lot of confidence going into match play. And, um, yeah, it was a wild ride. I mean, I feel like in match play, it's easy to get caught up in what the what the what your opponent is doing. I mean, and basing all your decisions off what your opponent is doing, which, there's a time and a place for that, but... I've always looked at match play as just another opportunity to go play the golf course. And I mean, I've always felt like if I lose while I'm playing the golf course and I get beaten match play and so be it. But the thing that frustrates me most is throwing away a hole or a match because I was so focused on what my opponent was doing. So to not fall into that trap, I think it's the most important thing in match play. And for five or six straight days, I was able to play the golf course and, I mean, luckily, it got me all the way to the finals and bought my ass off that afternoon. And Sam played exceptionally. I think somebody told me he didn't miss a fairway entire thirty-six holes. So yeah, I mean, he,
1: he played his butt off. Yeah. He really played. I, I was watching the finals; obviously on and you know, especially that first nine holes. I mean, he's a stud. He's a gr- he's a great player. He 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 played some amazing golf. And You were down a pretty bit and hadn't played bad golf. You know, people turn on and they see your several that they think you've played bad. I mean I mean a guy plays – he just played his ass off.
2: <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean I think I was uh I was probably like one or two over in the morning, which is pretty good around out there and finished the morning three down. And I remember going to the lunch break and uh I can't remember who it was, but like one of my friends or maybe it was a coach or somebody was like that kid that kid needed a break, we needed to get him to a break. Because there was like seven or eight holes at the end of the morning match where he just did not miss a shot. And right. uh, I mean, that break was nice. I mean, just to kind of <laughs> ice him a little bit because he was just playing so well. And then he came right back out in the afternoon and pretty much did the same thing. So it took a lot of fight and guts just to kind of get back in that match. I mean, the last thing I wanted to do was lay down and I felt like mm-hmm. I fought really hard. And just, I mean, one or two decisions or swings here or there just kind of cost me a little bit. But taking him all the way to 36 with the way he was playing, I mean, I don't know. I don't have many regrets. So. No. And I get to I, play in two pretty cool tournaments. You guys are
1: pretty fired up yeah, about that. absolutely. And, and you set yourself up for, you know, obviously Augusta. And obviously that's on – your mind, I know it's all mine. Is prepped, and we're, we're already starting to get ready. We're going to see each other in just over a week up in Montgomery and get get going again after you take some time off. You said something on the phone about a month ago when we had this phone call, me, you, and Jackson, and we were talking about the start of this process getting ready. That I thought was funny. We were talking about being a ball striker, and we were talking about stats, and you said. When you look at your stats, even the times you don't feel like you're a good ball striker, that you've not hit it well, you realize you're still strokes game positive, right? Like, talk a little bit about that because I think people get into sometimes like where they beat themselves up sometimes and they think they're doing worse than they are at things, and if they look up and they're like, you know, really, I mean, I didn't hit it that bad. And, and, and I, there's other ways to learn to score. I think one thing you're learning is that you don't have to hit it perfect, and there's lots of ways for you to win and shoot good scores. You don't just have to hit it six feet all day every day.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, I would consider myself a pretty decent ball striker, so I'm really quick to be really hard on my ball striking. And, like, keeping track of stats has showed me, like you said, that, I mean, even days where I feel like I'm not hitting it very well like the stats show me that it's not it's not bad. I mean, it's it's usually positive or kind of right around zero on the days where I feel like it's a little off and I'm actually losing shots kind of around the greens and uh, on the greens, which just shows me that I need to kind of reset my expectations and especially my practice and focus it a little more on the areas where I'm struggling statistically because, I mean, stats don't lie. So just to have that resource kind of at your, at your uh, fingertips and be able to keep the stats and uh, use those to your advantage, it's really important for me because I tend to struggle around the greens, and it gets me back into the mindset of, all right, let's go work my ass off on short game. And usually when I start to do that, that next tournament, I'll hit it a little better than I did the previous tournament because I've taken a little bit of pressure off myself, ball striking. And in turn, I'll chip in part a little better, and usually the scores will start to show. So just being honest with yourself and got and yourself some slack. I think it's really important in this game, especially when you're playing at a high level and you're
1: competing all
2: the time and tend to put a lot of pressure on yourself. So having stats to to clarify what's actually holding you back is really important. It's a hard game,
1: you know. You're not talking Very about all the time. It's a hard game. I think the hardest part is to... One key is to understand that no matter how hard you work it's a consistent game, like expecting it to be every time you go out, I mean, isn't going to happen, right? You know, and it's our job to get as many tools to, to win and to compete. So we're taking all the experiences of last year, what are you – if anything, are you doing different? And what are your thoughts, like, about what you need to work on, what you need to improve, and what are what are we going to do to have you ready for April and then for U.S. Open and your professional career? What are the areas you think you need to improve and what are the steps you're taking to make sure? I, I have no doubt you're going to be successful and be a great player, but what are your thoughts on what you need to do to get there?
2: Yeah, I think for me, I think being in the gym is definitely something that's going to allow me to uh, always feel like physically I'm capable of competing week in and week out and it's going to help my golf swing as well I think that I need to pay a lot more attention and put more emphasis on short game and putting because I mean on those bad days that's what keeps you in it and especially from what I've heard I mean a major championships short game is going to yeah. kind of keep you around par and keep you in it so I think that's what's most important for me like we were just talking about just kind of taking some pressure off my ball striking by becoming a little bit better around the greens and on the greens. And then not falling into that trap of trying to change because I think that's something that can be, I mean, really easy to do when you're about to play in a major championship is think that you're not good enough and think that you have to have these certain shots to play well. And yeah, I'm just trying to keep my confidence up and trust that I'm a good enough player to compete uh, against some of the best players in the world so yeah just keeping that mentality and uh also getting a little better with short game and in the gym I think is probably the three most important things for me going forward
1: I agree I, I think you know we keep you on your ball strike to help you understand and find ways to stay on it better and easier and I I mean I don't I the golf swings that I film at Ridgewood or from the TV they don't ever I tell you that all the time they, ever need to be any better than that <laughs> ever <laughs> you know and uh you just got to continue to develop tools around the green short game i know jackson and you do a bunch with that and i know you're doing a nice job and, and putting i thought we did a nice job at re- with your putty too i thought helping you understand that up a little better i think you you know I, I thought you i thought you rolled it really nice that week for the most part
2: Yeah, for sure. I think it was after the second round of stroke play where Mm -hmm. me and you went to uh, the putting green at Ridgewood because I was feeling on the course. I was, for one, my speed was off and I have a tendency of like kind of sitting down in my heels and getting a little squatty and my eyes get off the ball and I get pretty wide in my stance. So I remember we just worked on getting a little more narrow and a little more bent from the waist to get a little more over the ball and I remember it like clicking on the putting green that evening and I started to see the line a little better my speed got better because I was hitting putts solid and I just felt this new little sense of confidence with the putter and I just could not wait for the first round of match play and I think (laughs) I won the match like 7-5 and and I don't remember really missing any putts that were uh, within (laughs) like 15 feet I mean I, I just remember making everything and was so excited for the rest of the week because I feel like I was hitting the ball pretty well and I knew if I was putting well I was going to have a really good chance and I mean yeah those adjustments we made putting is I mean really what what got me through that week to the to the final match I mean just being able to make big putts and big moments and just kind of piss off the guys I was playing because I, I feel like I've used to I've always been on kind of the butt end of that. Guys, just making putts on me, and it was so nice to be on the, give, on the, on the giving side because <laughs> I was just making putts that I just don't think they were expecting to go in, and just having that little edge in, in that well, place
1: is so important. Well, you know, you're, you're like you're a great ball striker. So, like great ball strikers, like you, you've been on that end where you did a great drive, you did a great second shot in there, fifteen feet. And the guy hits it over there in the rough, and he hits it up there 30 feet, and then he rolls it in, and you're like, what the hell? Now, yeah, I've played the whole perfect thing. It's nice when it's the other way, and you hit two good shots, and you're the guy who makes it 25 footer. I mean, it's nice being on that end of it for a change, isn't it?
2: Uh, it's way better. Um, and I think it, it allowed, like, because I was able to make so many points, like, I was able to feed off the crowd a little more because. I mean, they're obviously gonna be a lot louder, like seeing a 20-footer drop, as opposed to hitting a 715 feet. So, just being able to make all those butts and have the crowd behind me and kind of feed into my adrenaline a little bit and just keep the ball rolling the rest, rest of every round. It was so cool. I mean, and it all started with the putter, really.
1: Yeah, no, it just shows you how the whole game intertwined. And before we go, a few minutes left, we we'll keep you. We Obviously, we've talked about Augusta, the U.S. Overturned Pro. One thing I don't want to neglect, you guys and your coach at Jordan Southern have built a hell of a program there in Statesboro. You guys are ranked. You made it to the NCAA championship last year. Talk a little bit about your experience at Jordan Southern, why you went there, Like and what you guys, you guys got some unbelievable players. It amazes me when I look at your lineup. I know Jackson teaches a couple of the guys, and I see the golf swings and the guys you got. It's got to be a fun team you're on, and you've got to be super pumped for this last spring.
2: Yeah, definitely. So, I was committed to play somewhere else for a couple years in high school, and had a a little change of heart, kind of junior, senior year, and, uh, Didn't know much about Georgia Southern, was on the way to the Bobby Chapman Jr. Tournament. I get a call from a 912 number that I don't have. Didn't answer it. There was a voicemail, so I listened to it, and it was my current coach, Coach Collins, at Georgia Southern, just kind of saying he wanted to talk to me and see where my head was at. And really, ever since I made that phone call back to him, Georgia Southern's kind of been my home. And uh, just... It's a big blessing in disguise, kind of that whole process and ending off at Georgia Southern. I just couldn't have found a better fit and a better coach and better teammates. And just really proud of what we've been able to do uh, over my time there. I mean, we've made two NCAA championships, and I think we got a really good chance this year. I think we're probably the best, best team we've ever had. A lot of talent, a lot of talent, a lot of chemistry and it all starts with coach Collins Just such a good recruiter, such a good player developer and just t- turning kids into men. I mean, he's, he does it all. And he's, I mean, he's a huge part of my life. He's one of my best friends and, uh, just lucky to have him in my life along with a lot of my teammates. So just being in a mid major and having that extra little chip on your shoulder, I uh, just, it just kind of keeps you working. And, uh, keeps your head in it it always it just keeps you hungry and that's kind of how I've always lived my life. So to, to go to college and have that I got a bunch of guys with the same mentality around me has uh, only pushed me a little harder and it's really lucky to be where I'm at.
1: Tell you what, that mentality, one it fits you, right? It always has and it's going to carry you a long way in the next stage and, and through, the, through the rest of your career and uh, I, one I appreciate you taking the time. I know like I said you've done eight million four hundred and twenty two of these podcasts, but uh I held off and waited something barrage right after the amateur. But uh, appreciate you taking your time. I want you to have a great holiday at home. And uh you know you know how I feel about you. You know how proud I am of what you and what you've done and looking forward to watching the rest of this year. we will have some fun, bud. We are, Tony. Thanks so much
2: for having me on. Best podcasting golf, no doubt.
0: Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors Shrikshon, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Do Sweepers channel on YouTube as well as the Do Sweeper on Instagram or go to Dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.